Last Tuesday in New York City, a film student named Cameron, 19 years old, was taking the subway somewhere, and as he stood on the platform, some sort of problem happened with his body, a medical problem, a seizure or something similar. And as he stood on that platform, his body became uncontrollable, and he fell off the platform down into the train tracks where the trains passed by. As he fell down there, the number one subway train was coming in at the 137th Street City College Station. Also standing there was a man named Wesley Autry with his daughters. As Wesley saw this young man in a convulsion-like state falling into the train track and then flopping around, he immediately left his daughters, jumped down there, grabbed Cameron, shoved him down into a wet, smelly drainage ditch filled with stuff, and laid over the top of him like this, pinning him to the ground so that his arms wouldn't flail out as the trains rolled over the top of them. Wesley at least saved Cameron from losing some limbs. At the most, he saved his life. Mayor Bloomberg has given him the city's highest award that he could give to a civilian. Donald Trump gave him $10,000 to go to Disneyland with his family. David Letterman is going to make some hay off of it, having him on his show. He's going to fly out here and be on the Ellen show as well. All of a sudden, Wesley Autry is a hero in New York City and, for some at least, a nationally known name because of what he did. Someone said of him, a fellow construction worker, he was at the right time, at the right place, and he did the right thing. Wesley said, I was simply trying to save his life. Now, if you could back up with me to New Year's Day, Monday of this year, and if we could go to uh, Mr. Autry and interview him and say, what are you looking forward to in 2007? What do you think he might say? What are the main three things we're all looking forward to? Well, we want to make more money, lose some weight, exercise more. I don't know what he would say. You know how it goes. But I'll tell you what he wouldn't say. He wouldn't say, you know, this year I think I'll be a hero. This year I think everybody's going to learn about Wesley. This year I think I'm going to be able to take my family to Disney World and buy whatever I want. He wouldn't have said that. But the following day, that's what happened. Now, as we begin worship on this first Sunday of 2007, there there are 52 Sundays in the year, there are 51 left, I want to ask you, what are you looking forward to in 2007? Last week, we looked back a little bit, and we lifted up 2006. We celebrated the year. We talked about the challenges. We just had a wonderful time together, and I think it's always appropriate on the last Sunday of the year to do that. It's also always appropriate on this Sunday to do something else, and that is to look forward to the new year. It lies before us like a book yet to be written or like a clean page on which we'll write. Now, who would be a brave soul, maybe two or three of you, that would stand up and say, well, Steve, I'm looking forward to, and you just share a thing or two that you're looking forward to this year. Who would, who's got something you're looking forward to? Sad group. <laughs> Marcy, yes, are you looking forward to something? Good, good. looking forward to a train trip. All right. In March, uh, we still have a rule, which I don't know if they're here, um, but you know that 
trip to Hawaii. That's a good thing to look forward to. Amen. Amen. All right, yeah. Yes, Hans, what are you looking forward to? Sure. All right. Sounds good. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. Looking forward to a new place to live. We hope that happens. <laughs> Thank you. I won't comment. Uh, I'm going to leave that alone. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing, and uh, I hope that you are going into this year forward-looking. And I hope that after today, you're perhaps even more forward-looking as we talk about uh, the year 2007. Now, uh, some of you know the song, you've all heard of the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. You remember that? How's it go? Uh, on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Yeah, when do the twelve days of Christmas start? Christmas Day. So when do they end? Yesterday. I knew Jeanette would know that. Um, she could probably tell us a lot more about that but, uh, than I will. But, uh, yeah, the 12 days of Christmas actually begin on Christmas Day. They end yesterday. And what was yesterday? Epiphany. What in the world is that? Something they made up over at Fuller? Epiphany. Wow. Well, the word epiphany means a showing or an appearance or a manifestation. And the Christian church, Baptists aren't very liturgical. You know, we kind of get down Christmas and Easter, and that's about it. But um, in many traditions, they celebrate Epiphany, which some would say is the appearance of the wise men to Jesus when the Magi visited Jesus. And that's the first time Gentiles saw Jesus or, were, or saw the Lord. Some also associate Jesus' first miracle at Cana of uh, when he turned the water to wine. That's also sometimes associated with Epiphany. And if we were following a liturgical calendar year, today is the day the church celebrates the baptism of Jesus. And this morning, I want to talk to you a bit about the baptism of Jesus. And uh, I'm going to encourage you to follow along. There probably is a Bible in front of you, and it might be blue or red like this. It doesn't matter. They're both the same, just different colors. If you brought a Bible, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 3. And I want to talk to you just a bit um, before we talk about the baptism of Jesus, about uh, let's kind of set the context around there. The Gospel of Luke opens, of course, with the first two chapters talking about the birth of Jesus and the birth of John the Baptist. It also talks about the boyhood of Jesus as he begins to grow up and what little information we have from the New Testament is there. Now, you're going to have to hang on today because we're really, we've moved from Christmas. How old was Jesus on Christmas Day? 
<laughs> not very old. And now he's 30 years older. It's only been two weeks, I know. But uh, roughly 30 years have passed as we celebrate the baptism of Jesus. And so in the first two chapters of Luke, there's the birth of Jesus and John the Baptist. There's the birth uh, there's the boyhood of Jesus. There's that section where people say great things about this one uh, born Jesus. Now, as we move into chapter 3, it's really about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is, uh, what page are we on, by the way? 702, if you need to look it up, page 702, 703. As we talk about uh, the ministry of John the Baptist, John the Baptist is like uh, the old Johnny Carson show, if you remember, Ed McMahon, what was his role? Here's Johnny. You know, he introduced Johnny Carson, the hero. And John the Baptist is much like Ed McMahon introducing, uh, John was introducing Jesus, of course, and that's his role. Now, as you read through chapter 3, it comes to the ministry of uh, John. He's baptizing. And then at verse 20, it says John got put in prison. So you get the idea we're done with John. We're moving on. And then there's the baptism of Jesus a little bit about his lineage. And then after Jesus is baptized in chapter 4, we have the temptation where Jesus is in the wilderness and he's tempted. Then after the temptation, it says that Jesus is filled with God's power. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and he begins his ministry. And he begins as he goes to a church or synagogue in his town and it turns out he reads the scripture from Isaiah. And as he reads the scripture, we're now on page 704, The scripture from Isaiah says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, etc. And as Jesus finishes reading there, he sits down and a loose paraphrase, he says, Guess what? This is a great day because what Isaiah talked about has now happened. And you'd think the church would be glad for the good news, right? The Messiah has come. Well, as is often the case when truth is spoken, the church tried to kill him. And if you read through that section, they actually did try to kill Jesus, taking him outside and do away with him. It says they were going to push him over a cliff, but he passed by. He was unharmed. Then Jesus goes on into his ministry of miracles, and you see some miracles listed there in chapter 4. Now, in chapter 4, verse 43, I want to read that together. So we're on page uh, 704, verse 43, and this is after the... Baptism, the temptation, Jesus has been in Nazareth in the synagogue, and then he's done some miracles. And it, uh, Jesus says these words, verse 43, please read with me. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. That is why I was sent. Now, I hope you'll find your notes today and follow along with me, but... What I want to say to you is that Jesus had a calling or mission. And here in verse 43, Jesus says, I'm doing what I was created to do. I'm doing what God sent me to do. I'm preaching the good news. Now, fast forward some years later, when Jesus is beginning to talk about the cross and all that will be happening there, Jesus is explaining that, and of course, who wants to go to a cross? And Jesus says, this is the reason I came into the world, was for this very reason, to go to the cross. And so as we think this morning about the baptism of Jesus, Jesus beginning his ministry, I simply want to point out that Jesus had a calling or a mission. Now, if you look to me, look with me to uh, back to Luke chapter 3, I want to look a little more closely at the baptism of Jesus. 
When John baptized, he said as people came to John to be baptized, he said, repent, the kingdom of God is near. And people confessed their sins, they were sorry, and they were baptized just as, as we were baptized. Now, in verse 21 it says, Luke 3:21, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and he was praying. Heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now, there's a couple things missing that I want to point out. If you, you know so much about the Bible that you automatically know where Jesus was baptized. Where was he baptized? The Jordan River. Who baptized him? John. What's missing here? It doesn't say that, does it? John's not mentioned right here because we've already been told he's put in prison. The Jordan's not mentioned here. Well, why wouldn't Luke say that? Well, I think he didn't say it because he wasn't too concerned with who baptized Jesus or where Jesus got baptized. What he was concerned with is what's in verse 22. And it says that it's kind of all run together here. The people were being baptized. Oh, by the way, Jesus got baptized. What was Jesus doing? He was praying, it says, as the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came down on him. Now, I want to pause here because uh, in 2007, I hope uh, to hear God speak to me. I don't mean some weird audible voice, but I hope God communicates with me and, and guides me. I'm looking forward to God's guidance this year. But I think in order to be hearing from the Lord, I might need to do what? Pray. Because it was as Jesus was praying, the Holy Spirit came down, and this voice was heard from heaven. And I don't want to skip over that idea of prayer because often Luke talks about Jesus praying. So as he was praying, the Holy Spirit came down. Now, what was said here? Well, God said, first of all, this is my son. And secondly, he said, I love you, Jesus. And it was in a sense Jesus commissioning to go forth and do his ministry. And so this morning as we celebrate on this first Sunday of the year, I want to remind you and come back to this scene of Jesus and Jesus' baptism and the reality that Jesus had a mission. Jesus had a mission. Now, let me ask a question, uh, and I don't want to embarrass anyone, so I'm not going to ask how many of us were baptized. I hope you've been baptized, which means you've confessed Christ as Lord. But I want to ask the question this way. How many of you were baptized here at First Baptist Church? Because I'm at, I, it's not me, so I'm not going to raise my hand, but several of you were in, in the sanctuary. Carolyn, did you raise your hand? When was that? Do you mind telling us? Three times. Good. Do you remember what it had been back in the 80s? 70s, okay. Anyone baptized before that here at this church? Jay, 1963. Wow. Anyone baptized before that here? What? Natalie, yes. 1950. Hallelujah. Anybody can beat 1950? Oh, Ted, he said. Uh, I was in, it was in another life. Yeah, hallelujah. I hope that you can think 
back to me, back with me to the time when you were baptized. And I hope that you are coming into 2007 as a person who has been baptized. And I hope that as you enter 2007, you're looking forward to walking with Jesus Christ throughout this year. I, that's, that's my hope for you, that you enter this year as a person who's strong in the faith and ready to go forward. Now, I want to talk to you just uh, kind of as we almost wrap up here, uh, building off the baptism of Jesus about your own baptism and your own calling and your own mission. You have a mission, and I hope you'll, you'll put that down here on your notes. You have a mission. And you know what I can do? I can tell you what that mission is. Now, some of you are going to resist that, so he's not going to tell me what to do. But I can, and I'm going to. Let me, let me see, what I'm ta- let's see what I'm talking about. First of all, if you'll follow along, number one, your mission is the, is the following. Your mission is to know God and enjoy God forever. Would you read that with me off the screen? Your mission is to know God and to enjoy God forever. Now, I don't know if this is possible for you, but what would it be like if as you live 2007, that somehow by God's power and spirit and just by maybe making notes on the refrigerator or the coffee pot or something, you get up in the morning and uh, throughout the day as you live this year, you think, wow, I got baptized. God loves me. And you kind of walk around and somebody says, what's that silly smile on your face? And you say, well, God loves me. You know, and I just can't believe it this year. God loves me. Now, when Jesus was baptized, he didn't have to repent of any sins. That's a difference, a rather major difference. But God said to him, I love you. And I think God says that to us when we're baptized. When you were baptized, you were, it's, it's like a bride putting on the, the dress and all the stuff. I'm getting married. That's your baptism. It's like the soldier putting on the uniform. We like to say baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. Something's happened. And what's happened is God has always, God loved you before you were baptized. He loved you after you were baptized, right? But through baptism, we, we're recognizing that. We're confessing Jesus is Lord. And so what, what if you got up in the morning and as you live 2007, you think, wow, it's amazing. God loves me. And the world may be going somewhere in a handbasket and things may be bad in your personal life, but you think, you know, there's no question about this. I am loved by the Lord. And if you could begin this year, and as you live it, realize one of the reasons I'm here is to know God and to enjoy God forever. And I didn't make this up, of course. The church has given this answer to our mission in life down through the centuries. That's why we're created, to know God and enjoy God. So I want to encourage you to, I hope you've written that down here, because you do have a mission in life. And that's your first mission, to know God and to enjoy God. Now, the enjoy part is hard for Baptists. Somebody said, you know, Baptists act like they were baptized in vinegar. Well, let's move out of that. You know, why not enjoy God and, and revel in the love God has for us? So, enjoy God. Now, I've quoted, uh, given a quote in your notes there from uh, a best-selling book by Richard Bowles, and he says this, Your mission in life is to seek to stand hour by hour in the conscious presence of God, the missioner before the mission. Now, number two, your mission is also, that's not your only mission, a part of your mission is to serve. Your mission is also to serve. We talk a lot about that in church. When Lance Armstrong wrote his book, It's Not About the Bike, he was writing about his journey through cancer and his racing in the Tour de France and and his 
his, his life story. I wonder if Rick Warren was thinking of Lance Armstrong when he wrote his best-selling book, The Purpose Driven Life. And you know what the first words of that book are, The Purpose Driven Life? What are they? It's not about you. It's not about the bike, and it's not about you either. And that's how Rick begins that book. Later on in the book, he says, you were created for a mission. You were created for a mission. God has things in mind for you to do, and you need to be doing those things. Now, I wonder, and it's only a wonder, I I don't claim any knowledge of, of what God thinks in this, but what do you think God was thinking Tuesday afternoon when Wesley jumped down that train track, smothered that kid down in the urine and the the mess of a New York City subway, got down in there, and uh, the trains passed by. They got up. They said, you need some medical attention. He said, I'm fine. I'm going to work. And he did. What do you think God was thinking about Wesley? Way to go, man. God's up there. I think God's rejoicing. Now, that's what it's all about. I think there may have been a party in heaven over that. I don't know. But I think God was pretty pleased when that man risked his life to save another man. He was serving. And this morning, I want to encourage you, it's not only that we enjoy God, but that we are created to serve. Now, this third thing, um, your mission is, what do you see there? A lot of lines, yeah, a lot of lines. Now, here's where it gets a little uh, more fun or a little more challenging, depending on how you want to put it. But uh, those three points down at the bottom, you do have a unique calling. There's nobody else like you. You know that. Spouses don't say amen. There's nobody else like you. You are unique. You do have a unique calling, and God created you to do certain things, and God also equips you to do those things. God doesn't ask you to do something you're not capable of doing. Now, these three lines are there because that's where I've already given you two missions. You can fill in this third one. But that's where it's, it's your unique calling. What does God want you to do as you think about 2007? What is your mission? It's not just to punch the clock, take up space, watch a ball game. That's not your mission. What is your mission? And I want to push you today to think about that and write that down. And you're going to have some time throughout the rest of the service. Now, I'm going to ask Joyce to come up here in just a moment. She's going to, Joyce has been working for the last three months on a self-guided study. Uh, called The Resilient Life, and she's gone through hours of uh, putting things together, and she's done with that, and uh, she's going to share... I don't know where a microphone went. Ted, get her a mic. Uh, She's going to share, but let me... Before Joyce reads this... Are you ready? Well, go ahead. We'll do yours and then mine. This is my mission statement. Still being a little bit vulnerable, actually. Um, My mission statement is... My vision statement is... I want to live my life in a way that counts for God and others in all ways. Number one, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. I want to help others and help FBCP grow. First Baptist Church, Pasadena. And be healthy. I have committed my life to serving and helping. God has called me to serve. Thank you. Now, as I filled out mine, I'll share part of it with you. I wrote it. Mine's not quite as fancy as Joyce's, but... uh, Part of my mission is to love my wife, Joyce. You think that's part of my mission? I think so. If you're married, that's part of your mission, to love your spouse, do it well. Part of my mission is to be a fantastic father and grandfather, because God's given me children and grandchildren. That's part of my mission. 
Part of my mission, and I celebrate this, is to be the best possible pastor I can be at First Baptist Church Pasadena. That's a part of my mission. Now, uh, there are other things that I need to write down here, and I'm going to, but I'm not going to tell you what they are. (laughs) Some things I need to stop doing. Some things I need to start doing. You see, I'm also going to put those down. And... uh, I want to encourage you in the time that we have left to, to write something down there. If you need to borrow a pen, I have one. If somebody's got a pen near you, but, but write those down because we're going to do something with them in just a minute. Now, as we wrap this up, the world isn't just about us. In fact, as the book says, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's not even about us. But we are together in a particularly unique way today. We are the body of Christ. We are the church, assembled, worshiping. And so I want to talk in conclusion about what is our mission as a church, we do have a mission. What is our mission? Now, the mission of First Baptist Church Pasadena is written on your bulletin somewhere. I don't have a bulletin with me, but I'll say it, and then you can repeat it after me. And I hope that by the end of this year, if somebody said, you go where? And you say, I go to First Baptist Pasadena. And you say, well, what are you guys doing? You can say, well, our purpose is, or our mission is, to make followers of Jesus who love, worship, and serve God. Would you say that with me? Our mission is to make followers of Jesus who love worship and serve God. That's our mission. Now, uh, the Great Commission tells us that, number one, we are to go into the world and make disciples, so our mission is to make followers of Jesus. That's not hard to figure that out. The Great Commission says that, Matthew 28. John Piper, in writing about that, said there are three possibilities with the Great Commission. You can go, you can send, or you can be disobedient. You can go, you can send, or you can be disobedient. And so our mission as a church is to make followers of Jesus. That's our goal. Now, along with that, from Matthew 22, we understand that there are two great commandments, and so our mission is also to, what? Love God and love our neighbor. And that's also a part of our mission as a church. Now, I found it helpful down through the years to kind of... uh, find a a slogan or a phrase or a way that captures these things that we can remember that calls us to be better than we might be without it. And so I want to give you in just a moment our theme for this new year. Um, On Friday, I was leaving the church, and I decided to go see Sarah, so I drove up Fair Fair Oaks to Camellia Gardens. Sarah's been in a convalescent home. She's a a 40-year-old woman who's been in this convalescent home for over a year now, recovering. And uh, as I drove in the parking lot of this little place, uh, who in the world would I see walking into the door but Tim and Stacy Hughes? Tim and Stacy, they're Fuller graduates. He's now going to his first church in Washington State. They left Friday night to drive up there. And uh, the, one of the last things they did, they had promised Sarah, we're not leaving until we say goodbye. And she loves to talk to Tim. Tim's prayed with her over the years, and especially this year, and she loves to... I used to tease Tim. I said, you know, the only thing Sarah says when I'm going is, where's Tim? When's he coming? I really like the way he prays for me. And uh, so I'm trying to get Tim to teach me to pray better. But anyhow, there was Tim and Stacy doing what God had asked them to do to visit and bless Sarah, an act of love. So what is our mission for the new year? How do I want to capture the theme? Our mission state remains the same. We've talked about becoming a bridge of uh, throughout this last year. We're just adding the words of love onto it. This year, our church is going to work at becoming a bridge of love. And I want to challenge you throughout the year to think about how is God going to use me to become a bridge of love in this new year. Now, as we wrap up this morning, on your sheet are are, uh, four statements. And I'd like you to check these off. If they're true for you, 
as we conclude, as a way to wrap up the sermon this morning. Lord, in 2007, I look forward to, and if you will, with me, accept this theme, then you check off. I look forward to living our becoming a bridge of love theme. Will you do that? Secondly, Lord, in 2007, I look forward to praying for our church and her leaders and seeing what you do. It's fun to watch what God does in our lives when we pray and when we work together. Thirdly, Lord, in 2007, I look forward to your help so that I stop. (laughs) What do you need to stop doing? And what are the steps you're going to take in order to stop doing that? And then finally, in 2007, I look forward to living my mission of. Now, here's what I want to do for conclusion today. And we're going to have the Lord's table in just a moment, and so you've got several minutes which you can do this. But um, I hope that you've got this in front of you. And on the front side of it, there's that place where it says, you have a mission. And I've really filled in all the blanks except for that one on the bottom of the page. What is your unique mission? What is God calling you to do in 2007? If you're a student, it may be, I've got to finish my degree. That's a part of your mission. I don't know. But I'd like you to fill this out. And I'm going to have the ushers also pass out. I've made up a duplicate copy here. And what I'd like to do in, in, a, in the hopes of helping you down the road is I'd like you to fill out a second copy. I've got an envelope that you can put it in somewhere. Yeah. And what I'd like you to do is you get an extra copy, you'll get an envelope, you can fold it up and put it in this envelope, seal it, and put your address on it. And as we begin the Lenten season, as we go towards Easter, I'm going to mail this back to you just as a little prompter that on this day, as we began the year together as God's people, we decided these things. Now, nobody except you and God is going to see this. But if you're willing, if you want to do this, then raise your hand, and the gentleman will have you, hand you an extra copy and an envelope, and you can put these out. So uh, if you would like to do that, why don't you raise your hand, and then you'll be able to put these in the offering plate at the end of the service. I've got, I've got mine here. Need an extra copy and an envelope. Anybody else need an envelope and another copy up on the front row here? Over here. Yeah. Thanks. You can go ahead and keep your hands up as they pass them out. I'm going to pray now as we transition towards communion. Lord God, as we've opened your word today, we've reflected on the baptism of Jesus and your uh, calling him into ministry and how the Spirit came upon him and he went forth to do what you called him to do even to die on a cross. And this morning, Father, we think back to that day when we were baptized, and it was a day of joy, it was a day of celebration, it was a day of a new beginning in our lives, and it was a day when we felt so loved by you. I pray that each day of this year we might understand that you love us, that you're for us, that you are working for good in our lives. I pray that as we think about our unique mission, Lord, you might help us not only to put it down but live it out. God, I pray that, uh, especially for the man or woman here who may be struggling with faith and they've not committed themselves to you, and I pray that this day their heart might be opened more to say, yes, Lord, I believe you and I will follow you. Father, we thank you for this new beginning, 2007. We lift it up to you that we may live a life enjoying you and serving you. In Christ's name, amen.